because he's allowed that communication to always be open and to play to their strengths. And I think that is, again, why it's a big part of why the Titans hired Brian Callahan. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, February the 7th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I am joined today, as always, by a man who is not, in fact, too physically menacing to get a head coaching job in the NFL. Producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. I think I think there's a there's a perfect size, right? There's too menacing. There's a goalie and, then un- and then unmenacing. I'm probably Do we both on-, fall on the not menacing enough. Scale? I think I think we're teetering the line between fine and unmenacing, but um, you, you know, like Brable and, and us, not so dissimilar. Not agree. so dissimilar, you and I. But no, I am good. <laughs> uh, man, back from the Senior Bowl, ready to just talk about things like that for the next four months. Of course, we have one more game, the the big game on Sunday. But after that, yeah. man, it's just all. Uh, does, does, is Mike Vrabel wearing tiger ears too physically imposing for, for people? That is a great right. question. That's what no, I encourage everybody about. to go to at JT Runkey, JT underscore Runkey on Twitter to find uh, what I think some of JT's best work that, that if you don't know what we're referencing it, in, in the, I think it was the athletic football mm-hmm. show, Diana Rossini was on talking about um, just things in the coaching cycle. And one of the things that she brought up was that she spoke to one GM down in mobile uh, at the senior bowl. And this guy brought up that, you know, I've been in some of those rooms, man. And you know, the, the, the physical imposition of a guy like Mike Ribble, he's just, he's so big and menacing like that. That means something to some of these people, which is a take. I, you know, it, I'd love to, I'd kill to know who that was in reference to what team that was in reference to so that I could just fade them into oblivion. Um, Cause that's really funny and stupid, but uh, here we are talking about football again, not just draft prospects. You know, of course, we're going to dive into that head first and our uh, our draft series as we get past the Super Bowl and then get into free agency and all that. We're we're in the early stages, JT and I are, of planning out what our schedule is going to look like. I think we're going to have more exciting guests this year, um, some experts in the field that you're going to want to listen to. So that's going to be exciting. We're, of course, going to get through our top 10 at each position group like we did last year. So that's all going to be fun. And um, we'll have a lot of uh, fun, fun folks in with us to talk about those things and play different games. And, and we're going to do our best ultimately on this show. I think that uh, I, I think we pride ourselves on being the best show genuinely in the national media market for educating yourself on the draft and the prospects in the draft and the landscape of the draft. Um, unlike some other shows on the radio and um, in p- the podcast space where folks, I think talk to confidently about the draft. Like the listener knows exactly who they're talking about. Or like we like to take it from a very layman's perspective. So, you know, for, for those that are diehards in the draft and those that are just trying to learn about some of these guys, I think this is the show for you. you're going to want to stick for us, stick with us through the spring. So it's going to be a good time today. However, we have a friend of the show on Kayla Anderson from 104.5, the the morning show over there at 104.5, the zone, Ramon, Kayla and Will. She is a delight. We love talking with Kayla. We were uh, planning on doing the show with her a couple weeks ago and then some things happened. And so now we're, we're doing it today, but uh, it's good to have her on. Nonetheless, we're going to get to that in just one minute before we get some housekeeping things out of the way. First of all, if you are watching with us live as this is premiering on Tuesday, just I need you to know that this was recorded previously so you you can comment all you want and i encourage you to comment 
um, but we're not going to be able to answer. So talk talk amongst yourselves in the comments as this is live. But we are we are in the past. We are probably munching down some lunch or something uh, while you're watching this, um, as well as uh, asking if you could while you're watching live. Go to YouTube, go to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page, hit subscribe. Okay, we see the numbers, we see the metrics. Frankly, there's a lot of y'all that watch, bunch of freeloaders that aren't subscribed. Unacceptable, man, because it's free. It really is not hard. The button's right there under the video. It couldn't be easier for you to hit subscribe, to do us a favor, do us a solid. We would really appreciate it if you could help us get those numbers up as much as possible. We would love to get to 1,000 sometime during draft season. That's our ambitious goal, and I think we can do it. And so we are relying on you guys to help us out on that front. So hit subscribe there. Make sure you're following us on our socials at Hot Read Pod on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, all of those things. All right, let's get to our interview with our friend Kayla Anderson. We're talking about the draft. We're talking about the coaching hires. We're talking about philosophies and and Bill Callahan and Brian Callahan and, and what she's heard from coaches. All of these good things. You're going to enjoy this interview a lot. Stick around and then we'll talk to you afterwards. All right, we are joined by friend of the show, Kayla Anderson. She is a co-host on the newly uh, fourth in the mid-market. Did I see this morning? You guys winning awards, getting recognition over there on Ramon, Kayla, and Will on the mornings on 104.5 The Zone. Kayla, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. Yeah, Barrett Sports Media came out with their yearly kind of progress report. It comes out every Super Bowl week, and the morning show is the first one that they kind of give the rankings on in the top 20. And yeah, we moved up from number seven in our first year as a show to number four this last year. So really awesome stuff. And you got to thank the lovely listeners of Nashville because it has sure. not been a boring uh, season or off season. <laughs> Dude, that is so cool. Congratulations. <laughs> and you're you. right that there has been plenty to talk about. That certainly helps. Um, we're going to spend a couple minutes today kind of just talking about everything Titans. We were scheduled to have you and I were talking a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We're like, let's do a show tomorrow. Cool. Great. Tomorrow rolls around and it's like a couple hours before we plan on doing it. And then the Titans decided to fire their head coach. And so we both DM each other immediately like, that's not happening anymore. I'll see you at the press conference later today. Um, And so here's here's the rain check. Since then, a lot has happened. Titans have found their new head coach. They found some new coordinators. They found some new position coaches. And we have gotten a glimpse at what this vision, this grand vision for the Tennessee Titans now is. And so I kind of wanted to talk about all of that, as well as as we're starting to creep into draft season, it's really going to we're going to have to hit the pavement running as soon as the Super Bowl is over. Um, JT and I were at the Senior Bowl last week and so got a little Mm -hmm. glimpse of some of the prospects already and getting up to speed on all of that. But with draft season rolling around, the Titans having a gajillion and seven dollars to spend in free agency, a lot of big decisions are coming down the pike. And so I wanted to talk about um, what you think they're going to do and what you think their philosophy should be, because one could argue that the next couple of months is going to potentially define what the Titans organization is for like the next two, three, four years. It's a really, really big deal. Um, so let's start. Let's start with some of these hires that they've made. Brian Callahan, um, you were I, you were at the press conference as well as I was when he was introduced um, pretty standard press conference, not, you know, nothing super exciting. Uh, he, he won the press conference as you would expect a guy to do on his introductory press conference. What has your, I think you guys had him in the studio, if I'm not mistaken. So you've got a chance to speak to him one-on-one. What's your impression of him? And do you like the hire for the Titans? So I'll take you back to when 
Rabel was fired and they started to kind of go out and give us some names in terms of candidates. And Brian Callahan, if, if you remember, was the first candidate that we heard about that they were going to request to interview. Obviously, that's via Zoom, right. that first interview. And so on our show, Ramon, Kayla and Will, we early on picked our favorites in terms of coaches to get this job. And when Callahan's name was put out there, I immediately, in my several years in this business and being around the country, I immediately connected to a coach that is on the Cincinnati Bengals staff Mm. and reached out to him and said, tell me everything you know about (laughs) Brian Callahan, because this is a guy they're interviewing. I feel like it's the first one. So he's getting a few steps before some of these other guys that were still in the playoffs. And I sat on the phone with this coach for over 30 minutes and just listening to what he said about Brian Callahan. And that's the first time I really dug deep in terms of what Callahan was all about. Uh, This is a guy who I covered back in the day, too, in terms of football that was coaching with him for five years on the staff. And I got off that phone call, you guys, and I was convinced myself that I had been in a meeting with Brian Callahan Mm -hmm. and he was convincing me to hire him as my head coach. And this was coming from a second source, just talking about the great things he does, the type of leader he is, the play calling, how that's not even an issue because he pretty much does everything with Zach Taylor leading up to game time and just everything about that conversation. I was like, this is the guy. And so on the show the next day, I clearly picked Brian Callahan to be the favorite for me to get the head coaching job fast forward. And he gets the job. and. I think I had already been convinced by what this coach said that he was the right person. But then you see him in the press conference and you can talk about winning a press conference or not winning a press conference. I'll take that at face value. But what I will say is I was just impressed with like how much you realized he has soaked in over his career Mm -hmm. as a coach at every level. And he's a son of, a NFL offensive line coach who is obviously now with the Titans. You mean his employee? Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, which is weird because that's never happened in NFL. Imagine that dynamic. It's got to be so weird. I know. It's like, hey, son, uh, right. I guess you're my boss. But, you know, so I I think with all of that, even if he didn't play in the NFL, just the experience from high school on and just climbing the ranks and being with a guy like Zach Taylor for the last five years. And when I asked him that like that question in the press conference of what makes you think you're ready. And he was like, I've been ready. Like Zach Taylor has kind of let me, you know, see what it's like to be a head coach um, and act upon it. So I think with all those things in the press conference, especially it was just reassuring that I felt like, okay, this is definitely, in my opinion, where the Titans want to go. This is the right guy. I'm generally really skeptical of when a new GM or a new coach is is hired and you hear all these things, these references from folks they've played with or folks that they have coached with or uh, people who they have coached and you hear all these glowing reviews and it's like, you're, you're going to hear those things. I, you know, I don't want to read too much into them. That feels like it's the case with every single one, but there was something about this guy and this hire before we heard from him in his introductory press conference. So many just kind of over the top, like, 
you know, his, his former employer and some of his, his star players. And, and I keep hearing more and more people like you, you mentioned the coach you spoke to on the phone, you hear nothing, but some of the most glowing references that you can hear about anybody just saying with not just a, a lot of positivity, but so much confidence, like, it, you know, it's not, we think he's going to be really good. It's I'm so confident this, like I have, there's not a doubt in my mind. This guy is going to be good at what he does. And so that piqued my interest. And of course we go into that introductory press conference and you hear from him. And at the beginning, he spends a lot of time talking about his background and then gets a little bit emotional talking about all the people in his life who helped him get to this point where he is. And, he, and you know, he says himself, like, you can tell, I really care about my people. I care about what I do. Um, that, that struck me as, as different than what you typically experience with these guys that are brought in. And look, he's been a lot of places too. And yeah. I think it's not really typical either. It's, yeah, when, when a guy's going for a coaching job, you'll hear from certain people that are going to give that person glowing reviews. Right. But I feel like you always have a couple people out there that have either crossed paths with this person or played for this person. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, it doesn't come out as maybe that glowing review that everybody sure. else is saying. With this situation with Brian Callahan, I don't know if I've read one negative review or comment about this. I've been guy. looking for it. I don't know where that is. Yes. Like, okay. Like, can you, can somebody give me something? And that's including players, you guys. And I mm -hmm. think that is the key in terms of this hire is the amount of players who have come out, not just quarterbacks that he's worked with over his career. And look, he's worked with a variety of quarterbacks, different personalities. That's hard to get good reviews from most of the guys he's worked with that have spoke at least. And then you're getting the same thing from a guy like Jamar Chase, who's saying he's my best friend uh, to Jim Wyatt this right. last week at the yeah. Pro Bowl. Like that is just not normal for you to not be able to really find a negative thing. And look, this is his first time being a head coach. There's not going to be everything that's going to be perfect in the way that he does things. But I think overall it puts Titans fans at ease that even though this is a brand new hire and there's a lot of staffers that are going to be new and a lot of personnel, they feel a little bit more at ease, I think, because he's kind of shown what he's done in the past and he has that backed up with people saying, yeah, he's a real deal. And what makes that carry more weight for me is that we talk all the time about how winning fixes everything in the NFL. And when things are going well and the ship is sailing smoothly, it's easy for everything to be hunky dory, right? And the second you hit some choppy seas, it can go downhill really, really fast. And and Callahan's not a guy. Of course, the Bengals have had a lot of success in recent memory, but you know he talked at his press conference about how early on there, you know, we were zero and ten, zero and eleven. This past year, I can imagine was incredibly frustrating for everyone involved with Joe Burrow coming in injured, them having to kind of rework that offense, and then in the middle of the season they start to get things rolling, and then Burrow go, goes down for the year, and you're scratching and clawing with Jake Browning and you lose some tough ones like that had to have put a lot of stress and strain on everybody involved in that organization. And for, you know, the guys that frankly, stereotypically like the wide receivers, the first to diva out typically to still come out and be like, I don't care. We had a tough season. We missed the playoffs. It sucked for the past four months. I love this guy. I love everything about him. I think that that carries more weight than if, you know, you're coming from the chiefs and you've been to four of the last six Super Bowls. Yeah, there has been, you know, a little bit of up and down. And even when Callahan got there, it's not like they immediately just, I mean, they found success more fast than other franchises have. Sure. But, you know, they didn't immediately out of the gate, uh, 
they weren't like this team that was just blowing people out of water, right? Like they had to figure some things out. They had to work with what they had, even with an offensive line that you can argue wasn't even the best uh, with a guy like Joe Burrow, who's your franchise guy. And at times you're wondering, Oh God, what's going on with this? They're, they're finding ways to make things work, even when things are a little bit up and down. And you're right this past year, kind of a testament to when your franchise quarterback goes down, uh, you could totally just like throw in the the red flag. And, And that's not what they did. Like he actually, I think did a great job too at helping get Jake Browning up to speed and really yes. kind of developing him in, in a quick instance where you saw some pretty good play out of Jake Browning when I don't even know if anybody knew who he was. I mean, I did cause I hate the Huskies and you went to Washington, <laughs> but other than that, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and, and that, I think that, you know, you, you talk about the, the pluses, anybody that comes up to me, you know, like, okay, yeah, you cover the Titans, this Callahan guy, what's the deal? Like, what was the, what was the idea behind the hire? And the first thing that I go to is, um, I think, you know, pretty obviously, like you're bringing in a guy that you think is going to be putting your young quarterback in the best situation to succeed, giving him the best chance to pan out. Um, and with Callahan's experience with all of these quarterbacks in the past with Stafford and Burrow and, and Derek Carr and Peyton Manning, and it, you know, you've got a diverse, um, uh, skill set, a, a diverse, experience, I guess I should say you have experience with a diverse set of quarterbacks. It's not been one type of guy that you have helped along. You're not an archetypal quarterback guru in that way. Um, he's done a lot of different things with a lot of different guys. And with Levis, you know, we we've talked with, uh, some other folks in the show about how, like you better have hired this guy for, for Brian Callahan and not for the scheme that you think is associated with him because Joe Burrow and Will Levis kind of couldn't be any different in terms of what you want them to do any given Sunday. Joe Burrow, like, you know, let's let's throw a lot of screens. Let's throw a lot in the middle and intermediate area. Let's take shots outside the numbers. Let's throw 30 to 35 times a game with Will Levis. It's like, man, let's take deep shots down the middle of the field. Let's throw the ball 20, 25 times a game. Let's average 10 to 12 yards depth of target. Like very, very different types of quarterback. And so folks that, that know kind of, they, they recognize that and they, they see that change from going from Burrow to Levis questioning, you know, is he going to be able to do that? I, I'm put at ease a little bit because he does have that diverse background with different guys doing different things for the past 10, 15 years. And that's what puts me at ease too, just because all of the people that I've heard talk about him and specifically when it comes to quarterbacks, we had Kevin Clark of ESPN on our Kevin. show yeah. last week. Incredible guy, uh, knows Callahan very well. And some of the stuff he said about him specifically with Callahan and the way that he's able to adapt to not only the different styles of quarterback guys, but the different personalities. Like Joe Burrow's personality is mm. much different than Will uh, Levis's personnel, okay? Um, And that's one of the things I remember Callahan saying in the presser is he embraces the kind of uh, intensity that Will Levis brings to the field. Now, can that be tailored a little bit? Yes, I think there's still some ways that Levis can kind of contain some of those emotions in certain situations. Um, But I feel like with Callahan just appreciating that he knows what type of quarterback he is on the field and just personality wise, what he's going to get out of him. He's a hell of a competitor. And I think that's what Callahan really likes as well. Cause I don't think he'd come here if he didn't think 
like he couldn't make something of this quarterback. And I think that's important right. to note too. It's not like this was Callahan's only opportunity. Uh, I think he really saw an opportunity here to bring Will Levis and of course this team as a whole to the next level. But I, I think that's what you look at. You go back and you're saying, okay, Derek Carr, certain style. Uh, even let's bring up Tim Tebow, even that we haven't heard Tim Tebow talk about Brian. It's easy Kelly to leave him out of that group, but yes, it is. but I think he was able as much as, you know, he had say in that, I think you could say he, he got the best out of Tim Tebow as a pro. Cause I don't Winning think any playoff of us games. Exactly. Still, we watched it with our own eyes and it still doesn't feel like you remember that in your head. Like that didn't happen. Yeah. Did it? Oh, it did happen. Did that yeah. Really happen? yeah, it did. And of course, you know, that was uh Callahan on that staff at the time. And so I think that that makes you feel good that he's the type of coach that has admitted along his career. The biggest thing he's remembered is I can talk as much as I want, but a big part of me being a better coach is listening and mm -hmm. listening to those quarterbacks specifically, even in situations and game situations where, hey, coach, I, I think this might work better. Like, and sometimes he's going to say no, but sometimes he's like, you know what? Okay, you know what you need out of this play. Like, I'm going to allow you to do that. I think that back and forth, especially between a quarterback and a coach, is crucial in terms of developing development and having success. And that was my favorite thing about Brian Callahan coming into it because there was so much conversation about, well, it, it, he had Joe Burrow. And I, I don't think as someone who is from Cincinnati and gets a lot of connections in there, people were like, well, he's under Joe Burrow. I feel like that's a very big misconception to who Brian Callahan is. Like you said, very different quarterbacks that he's worked with. Not and a Burrow merchant. Yeah. He is not a Burrow merchant in that sense. <laughs> and he may be, uh, a, what separates him from the other quarterback gurus is that he lets the quarterback play to his own strengths instead yeah. of trying to fit him into a mold that Brian Callahan can do. And that perfectly emphasizes that it's all about that communication. And that's what I love. And I'm so excited to see from Brian Callahan going forward. And you hit the, the nail on the head there. It, it is. It's like playing to their strengths. And every quarterback in this league is different. And not every quarterback goes on to have success either. But I think you can at least say the guys that he's been with, and he's had some help in molding some of these guys or helping them find success. Um, I think a big part of that has been because he's allowed that communication to always be open and to play to their strengths. And I think that is, again, why. It's a big part of why the Titans hired Brian Callahan, because I think we've all seen the change that's going on in the NFL. And it's it's kind of a new age in terms of of how coaches are being brought in and what their background is. And I think sometimes you look at Brian Callahan and you're like, OK, he's not the Mike Vrabel, the player, you know, former NFL player, but he's a guy that's been kind of brought up as the backup always like coming from a backup role. And I think sometimes you can do so much of that when it comes to teaching and that sometimes turns into a good head coach because you're not necessarily the starter, but you look at things differently. And because he's been so many places and had a dad that was a head coach, I think he's done everything right preparing himself for this moment. Now, Kayla, none of the three, you know, the head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, all three of these guys have actually never had any experience in their 
current position. Now they've got a lot of NFL experience elsewhere doing other things, but um, a lot has been made about, you know, you, you've got a, a, a trinity of guys that are in charge of coaching up this team that are new to what they're doing. Does that inexperience, what do you make of that? Does that bother you at all? You know, if I'm going to be honest, a, a little bit, not worrisome, but it does like lead to many, you know, question marks of, is this going to work the way they want it to? Now, right. I do have trust in the way that they're doing it because I think Brian Callahan is getting a lot of advice from people that are very smart in this business, including his dad, who, by the way, if you're going to talk about a veteran to have on this team, that's the most important one, in my opinion, because yes. not only in terms of developing this offensive line, um, current and future players, it was something they haven't had in the last few years, but, you know, also just to, to be able to be there for him in situations because he has been a head coach, right? And so I think you can look at Nick Holtz and be like, okay, no experience as an offensive coordinator. In that mind frame for me, I'm not as worried because Callahan is the mastermind behind the offense and will be right. calling the plays. It is his job to make sure he's communicating that to the offense and doing things that Brian Callahan needs to be done in a trustful manner. And that's why I think that was the biggest hire for him with um, Nick Holtz is because they go back to De La Salle where they went to high school together. They know each other well, they trust each other, but it's important that he had kind of his right hand man picked out. I'm more a little bit questionable on the defensive side because that's where there's a little more disconnect for Callahan, just being sure. an offensive minded guy. But I like the hire of Denard Wilson with saying that because I think you look at his background and as a DB's coach, that is one of the most crucial positions on the field. And that's well, also, Lord knows this Titans team could help you have some help on the, uh, the I back was end, just, just a little say, bit. Right? What, I mean, hurt. that's yeah. what you've needed help on for the past few years. Like the front has been great and there can't be drop off there. But I think you're getting a mind as a coach that really understands from front to back what a defense needs to do to be successful. And again, Denard Wilson has been backed up by several guys that are, you know, pretty big names in this league in mm -hmm. terms of finding success uh, in secondary play. So I think if anything, the defense is the one thing that I have to be kind of convinced once they're in season, like this is going to be successful, sure. but I'm going to give Brian Callahan the benefit of the doubt in his first time, you know, putting together a staff. And if we you're were making out one that night. hire real quick, like yeah. if you're making that hire, Denar Wilson is a guy that has, time and time again been able to kind of put a put a stop to this Bengals offense that he has created with Jamar Chase and T Higgins and yeah. as we saw in his press conference he says he wants to learn from his mistakes and I think when, when I saw that hire I, I I I I'm agreeing with you on the play calling side but once I heard from him in those interviews where he's just spitting information and going on and on about everything that's going on the field mixed in with with okay I'm bringing in a guy who knows what I'm weakest at I right. feel like that that just makes it so much better yeah it does and that's the first thing that popped into my head I want to have a defense that it makes it hard for our offense to go against right that's going to make right. it difficult for for our type of offense and he's experienced that firsthand like you said 
with the Bengals and a, a Ravens team that caused some havoc. And so I agree. I think he knew exactly what he wanted and he trusts. And I think this is also important guys, the trust word again, he trusts, I think Denard Wilson and they're getting, I think some outside kind of help with how to put together the staff too on the defensive side. Uh, I think he trusts, like, I'm going to let you do your thing. And I think that is actually huge in terms of a first year staff together. You've got to trust your guys to do your job. Like you can't be hovering in the meeting rooms every second or hovering in practice, it, it, you know, it specific situations because Which you don't. Which kind of sounds how Vrabel, it sounds like that was how Vrabel kind of was at it times. Was. And that that's one of those things where they're pivoting away from from that that style of coach, and and that's I think a natural natural thing that, that a, a, an organization is going to want to do. We were out one night last week in Mobile. I was talking to Ben Solak over the Ringer, and he's got a lot of ties um, in the in the Philadelphia community, and and he knows a lot of the coaches and folks over there with yeah. the Eagles. And and we found out that night that Denar Wilson was the hire for the Titans, DC. And and I was asking him like, what do you know about Denar Wilson? And he said, man. I, I know uh, quite a few players and coaches that would take a bullet for Denard Wilson. They'd run through wow. a wall for Denard Wilson. I've, I've not, I've not heard more glowing things from a guy and it's, it, it paralleled a lot with what we were talking about earlier, th those things that we've heard from folks talking about um, uh, Brian Callahan. And so I think that they are, um, you know, we talked all the time about like Vrabel. He's a player's coach. He's a guy that the, the, the guys love. And um, you know, I, I do think despite the kind of the aftermath, we've heard some things from different guys. I still do think that's largely what Vrabel was a yeah. guy that connected with his guys. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Brian kind of does that. And Denard sounds like does that in a, in a different way from maybe more of a, I'm not your, I'm not your buddy who can relate to what you're doing on the field. Cause I played, but man, I'm, I'm yeah. a teacher that relates to you one-on-one -on -one in a way that is different from what you've experienced with other guys that you've, that you've uh, played for. Yeah, and I think just the overall body of a locker room because I think Vrabel connected with a, a big chunk of his players because they wanted to play for him. He he is yep. a former player. Like, he gets it. He gets the grind. But I don't think everybody necessarily connected with him in that way, and therefore I think that hurt development in this organization for those mm -hmm. players. And mm -hmm. I can name a list, but you all know who they are. And, uh, you know, players that we've seen have success at other places, players that this year there were some question marks on what happened because they just left and it didn't didn't seem like it was settled in any way. I mean, Christian Fulton has had his share of injuries, but I do question if he's not here next year, what can he do somewhere else under right. a coach that maybe they connect more and, and, you know, he understands that style of coaching a little better because, Unfortunately, the new age player is not the same player that Vrabel played with and, you know, grew up with when he was in his playing career and early in his coaching career even. So I think that's an important thing to note. Just a coach that can overall help the development of every type of player, no matter what they are, you know, and what their personality is. You use that word development. And when folks ask me, like, what's what are you looking for in terms of a difference from what we saw in the Vrabel regime to what we're going to see with Brian Callahan and his guys? That's where I go first and foremost is like, really? can we see some of these guys that it's easy to do in hindsight? But I really do think it's fair. Like, man, they've had some guys in here that we spent the spring and the summer talking about the potential and oh man, oh, the jump that this guy's going to make from year one to year two. And, you, and then it just we have to explain away in the fall like, well. Yeah, that didn't happen. Here's why we think maybe that didn't happen. Ultimately, they need to get some some 
actual growth and it doesn't have to be linear growth in in the NFL is not a, not a linear process, but it it does need to trend upwards year over year. And with some of these guys, it's just been so flatline. You bring in guys like Brian Callahan and his, his dad, Bill, who I think you're maybe going to see the most tangible results in that department with him. The the development is what I'm most excited about. I mean, that's when you said Bill Callahan, we talked about it on our show this week. Who is going to be the biggest hire for Brian Callahan? Most crucial hire. You can argue that DBs are going to be important. Absolutely. Because there's been lack of development in in that department. But I mean, it starts with the O-line. And and that's just something that we've seen such, uh, I, I would say, regression in the past couple of years in terms of no development, um, just the the un- insert uncertainty of who's going to be in what position on what given day because people can't stay healthy and there seems to be a lack of dog in these guys. And I think Bill Callahan, from what I heard, you know, um, from Mary Kay Cabot, who covers the Cleveland Browns up there, it does an incredible job. She pretty much told us like Bill Callahan He's like a tough love coach, like Dewan Jones, when they drafted him last year in the fourth round, probably not necessarily going to be a starter. Well, uh, Jack Conklin went down and Dewan Jones was the next man up. And look, he was raw as hell. And yes. she told DeWan us, the stories, giant. right, that Dewan. Yeah, I remember seeing him at the, the uh, senior bowl last year. And my God, I mean, really like has talent that can could be here, but needed to be right. developed. And she was telling us stories of him throwing up, him getting frustrated where he's throwing his helmet. And Bill Callahan stood on his ground and said, hey, look, you're going to be ready to be a starter. And by golly, he was ready when he was when he was called upon. And he was fine. He was fine. And he was fine. And, he yeah. was, and honestly, if he would have stayed healthy and unfortunately got hurt, right. you could you could argue he, he really could have ended the way in a solid year. And even with the injuries on that line, I think overall, with Flacco ending the year four and one in terms of his record behind that line, I'd say Bill Callahan did a hell of a job with yeah, what he yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the epitome of a statue in the NFL at this point in Joe Flacco. Yeah. Okay. One question I want I want to briefly talk about free agency in the draft, then we're going to get out of here. Um, a lot has been made about what the Titans' philosophy should be with the seventh overall pick and, and their draft as a whole. Unfortunately, only six picks. This is this is the kind of year you'd love for them to have like, oh, we've got 12 picks. They don't. Um, so they've got to pick and choose their spots. They do have a gajillion dollars to spend in free agency. And so one of the, the number one things this time of year that makes me chuckle, I'm sitting there scrolling Twitter and you, you see all these folks that um, seem to be very set in their ways about what should and will happen. And it's, oh, it's, it's January. Okay. I'm sure that'll be true in April still. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of what the Titans are going to do in this draft with their limited picks is going to be directly informed by where they spend their money in free agency. And um, so I think that's a big, a, a big variable that we still have to answer. But setting that aside, before Brian Callahan was the hire, the feeling was, man, you know, it's hard. It's, I mean, it's really hard to get a fan base behind the very unsexy idea of a high round draft pick for a lineman, let alone two years in a row. Everybody wants that first round pick to be the stud skill position player that you saw play on Sunday or Saturdays in the fall. Um, but gosh darn it, the Titans have done it. Um, they've got, they've gotten the, their fans via horrendous offensive line play for three, four, five years now. Um, there is this feeling that, man, you just got it. You've got to shore up the line. Like we're sick and tired of watching this disaster. And then Brian comes in 
And there's that direct comparison to Cincinnati and there the Panay Sewell versus Jamar Chase question and and the general philosophy beyond those two guys of how they've built that team and had success in, in uh, Cincinnati. He comes in and there's little tidbits. You hear sound bites of, you know, so, uh, me personally, I might take the, the playmaker over the lineman. And so now the thinking is, well, are they are they going to approach it that way? So two questions for you. One, does his hiring change for you what you think they should do? And do you think it's going to change what they will do? So for me personally, and look, I am beyond like, I'm kind of over the boring. I mean, look, I've been here since 2017. Score points. And please. my God, it has been Score so points. boring in terms of first round picks. And look, even... Even the Traylon Burks, like trading sure. up to get Traylon Burks. I'm sorry. There was too much in the loss of A.J. Brown for yes. me to get excited about Traylon Burks. Yes. And that still wasn't going to be a pick of mine in the first round. I'll, I'll come out there and firsthand say that. Um, the Caleb Farley pick, not sexy to me. That's the one guy I said for John Robinson not to take. And I love Caleb Farley to death. And I do wish him the best in terms of his sure. playing future. But I just feel like there has been – you know, not a lot of like excitement when it comes to their first round pick. Granted, they've been picking towards the end of the draft. Like this is the oh, highest God. pick I've seen since I've been here covering the Titans. Mm -hmm. So um, it is kind of like, okay, uh, well, what if, what if Malik neighbors is available? And you know, what if mm -hmm. one of these guys that's a skill position player, Dunze or yeah, right. Dunze, like Roma Dunze from Washington. I watched a lot of him this year. Loved yeah. him. Um, like even Brock Bowers, like what if one sure. of these guys are available and it's hard to not say, Hey, let's, if this is a superstar in the making and you know it, like it's hard to just pass that over. And sure. I think for me, I've been convinced like as much as it pains me, like you have to fix this line because it is that awful mm -hmm. and you have to have more so than not a homegrown line when it comes to continued uh, kind of like consistent success in the league, yep, right? We've seen it. Yep. I just don't think signing free agents year in and year out is, is always going to work. Like in, in certain positions, yeah, you're going to have to. But to have key positions like center, left tackle as your homegrown guys, I really think that's crucial. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've always been convinced like if Joe Alt's there, you take him because I do mm -hmm. think he is a long-term tackle for an organization sure. um, that can be, you know, game changing in a way. But at the same time, the way that they brought in Brian Callahan and you've seen I was about to say, is that what they're going to do? Success. I, that's it. I wouldn't put it past them. I nope. really wouldn't at this point. Nope. If there is a guy available at seven and Brian Callahan's like, okay, Rand, like we've got to get him. He's a game changer. Like he's like yeah. a Jamar Chase, you know, like mm -hmm. we've got to go and get him. I don't put it past him. I really don't. Now, if that was Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon in that draft, I would have said hands down, they're drafting tackle. They know they have to. That's it. Now you got Bill Callahan who can develop some guys. There's right. a lot of offensive tackles in this draft. Um, so I'm I'm not gonna say that they won't do it. Well, and think about what we heard last year. I mean, again, this was hindsight, and it's one of those things you're like, is that really what happened? But you hear this past year, Rand Carthen really liked that Zay Flowers kid. And they, you know, there was discussion and there was they were collaborating real hard in that room, and they ultimately came out with Peter Skaronsky. But it's just it's the little morsels like that when you 
there's th that doubt creeps into your mind. Like, ah, I wouldn't be surprised if you combine Rand and Brian and, and they decide to go with that playmaker. Kayla, it has been delightful having you on. I'm glad that we finally got to do this. Tell yes. people it's, it's more than just Ramon, Kayla and Will in the mornings. You're doing all kinds of things in Nashville. Where can the people find you? Yes, you can find me on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at sure. Kayla Anderson TV. Yeah, I do um, hockey coverage, too, for CBS Sports. So you okay. can catch me on CBS HQ um, throughout the season in terms of hockey. So Fantastic. Yes. Kayla, thank you. Thank you for coming on. We'll have you on sometime in the future. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, you guys, so much. Appreciate it. All right. Once again, thank you to Kayla so much for giving us some of her time. We appreciate having her. We're going to have to have her back on the show because she is truly a delight. Before you go, just a couple of things. First of all, we are brought to you today, as we always are, by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Stoked to be sponsored by Boomba's. We are going to be back there, JT and I, live this Thursday, previewing the Super Bowl. There's a, there's still one more game left in this season. It's going to be a good one between the 49ers and the Chiefs. So we're stoked about that. We'll be there live at 530 Central Standard God's Time. On Thursday this week in Spring Hill, it's just a quick drive down I-65 if you're from the Nashville area and you are not going to regret coming out to Boomba's. It is delicious. They have great drinks on tap, both local and domestic brews, and they have awesome television situations anywhere. There's not a bad seat in the house, genuinely, when you're sitting in Boomba's. I've, I've sat all over that restaurant and I've not been in a place where I'm like, I should move so I can see this TV. Man, they're everywhere. Every single wall is is covered with televisions. It is the ideal spot to go and grab a bite, grab a drink, and watch your favorite sports. We love it at Boomba's. We think that you should check it out because you will love it too. They have three locations in the Middle Tennessee area, in East Nashville, in Murfreesboro, or in Spring Hill. So whichever Boomba's is closest to you, go and check them out. Tell them JT and Easton and the Hot Read Podcast sent you, and we would appreciate it if you do that. I promise you will not regret it. We'll be back on that Thursday show at 5.30. Until then, I'm Easton Freeze. I'm your host. JT's taking me off the screen for some reason. Thanks a lot for that. Okay. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media at Hot Read Pod on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Follow our socials for all those good things. Until Thursday, we'll talk to you then. Uh -huh.